Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host, ooh wee, he looks just like Buddy Holly, and I guess that makes me marry Tyler Moore, but he doesn't care what you say about him, he doesn't care about that it's micah you're right I, <laughs> I, is that the uh uh wait did you just do a weezer reference on me <laughs> i did oh, i hate it so much <laughs> i feel like this is a very confrontational movie <laughs> so i just wanted to start with a little confrontation <laughs> uh, yeah sure that's fitting for this i do not like weezer folks that's uh <laughs> Yeah, it took me a second. To... I was watching. I watched in your eyes as you were piecing it together. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a student who has since graduated, but she loved Weezer. And I remember when Frozen 2 came out, Weezer, you know how Disney movies put some musician, they do a cover of one of the songs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Weezer did one of the one of the songs in uh, in Frozen 2. It was Lost in the Woods. And when it came out, my student goes, hey, Henderson, did you see the uh, the Frozen movie? Did you see that awesome cover by Weezer? And I said, yeah. And it just goes to show that they suck because it's the best thing that they've done. And it's a Disney song. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so anyway. yeah. Beverly Hills. <laughs> that's where I want to be. I can't stand i love weezer's blue album and i hate everything else i've never had that experience with a band where like i genuinely blue album one of my favorites yeah but everything else i actively dislike not even like oh i could kind of i just genuinely don't like like that's interesting all of it i don't know if i'm that way with any any albums because i have some bands i'm like okay i like this one album don't really care for the others yeah but it's the only one where I'm like, I love this and hate everything else. Yeah, I don't think that I'm I don't think I'm that way with any any bands. The Killers, I think that their first album is their best. Everything else beyond that, I'm just kinda like, eh, it's not it's not great. But um but nothing that I actively hate. Uh what are we getting into today, man? Alright, today we are discussing uncut gems, which I believe I said was like a Netflix original. I think With you Sandler, did. I was incorrect. It's just a a film from directors Benny and Josh Safdie, 
written by Ronald Bronstein and uh, Josh Safdie, starring Adam Sandler. And uh, the introduction, the first movie of Julia Fox. You also have Edina Menzel. Speaking of Frozen, she plays uh, Elsa. Yeah, that's great. You told me that the other day. I had no idea. Yeah. And then you get Lakeith Stanfield plays Damani in it as well. I would say those are... They're probably the main ones. The basketball the player... What was was it Kevin Garnett? Yeah, Kevin Garnett playing himself. Playing himself, yeah. He had a bigger role. So, and yeah. The Weeknd showed up. Yeah, The Weeknd shows up, as well as... I, I don't know the actors' names, but you get the guy who plays Arno and essentially his brother-in-law. Yeah, I don't know on them. And brother-in-law slash Lone Shark. Right. And a guy named Kevin Williams Richard playing a character, Phil, who is a... Pretty much just a tough mafia, mafioso type. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the basic premise of Uncut Gems is Adam Sandler is playing a jewelry dealer in New York City. He goes by the name of, gosh, why can't I think of his name? Howard Ratner. Howard. Yeah. yeah Howard. He, goes, he goes by Howard Ratner. That's his character. Um, He's kind of a scum. He's, yeah, he's, he's pretty a, degenerate. Well, he's, he's a degenerate gambler. That's basically his whole thing. Yeah. And he essentially gets his hands on this, this like uncut black opal. Yeah. That he wants to sell for a million dollars. And when the movie starts, he's already in a place where he's in the hole. He owes a lot of people a lot of money. And he just keeps betting, hoping to hit it big to pay off his debts. He's living estranged from his wife. They still live together, kind of, but he lives in the city in an apartment with his young girlfriend, uh, Julia, played by Julia Fox. And the movie just kind of goes downhill from the beginning. It's just him getting deeper and deeper into shit. This movie is the epitome of anxiety from start to finish. Yeah, I was going to say it's very, very chaotic. Uh, Anxiety-inducing is for sure the feeling that you have watching this at least for me oh yeah that was the case my stomach hurt after watching this both times like i genuinely it's like it's mentally taxing to watch this film yeah i think part of it is that there's a lot of people talking over each other there's a lot of people yelling at each other through a lot of the movie yeah there's there's a lot of overlapping dialogue and it it feels chaotic because you kind of have an idea of what conversation you're supposed to listen to but at the same time there's so many conversations your brain is just naturally trying to pay attention and piece together everything that's happening in the movie yeah it's kind of a whirlwind i i made a note specifically my first note when i was re-watching this it takes 15 minutes the movie was 15 minutes in before you get the first like moment of solace when it just finally calms down and that's when he opens up the package with the fish because yeah. he has Kevin Garnett and his guys all in his shop, and he's he's excited. Kevin Garnett wants to see. He's shown him the little Furbies, the oh, Furby yeah. necklaces, which like are all weird. Flavor Flav chains, but they're Furbies instead, and their eyes moved back and forth. Exactly, yeah. And then he gets a package, so he runs back to the office, and he starts cutting open a fish. <laughs> and when right. he pulls the and the he has the guy who works for him is like trying to talk to him, like this guy ripped my shirt, and. He opens the package and there's a fish and like 
that's the first point in the movie, 15 minutes in when there's not just people yelling and talking over each other and just not anxiety. And it just kind of levels out and it's real calm. And then Adam Sandler, this kid is talking to him and Howard looks at him and he just goes, Holy shit. I'm going to (laughs) come. He does say that. Yeah. Cause is, was the Ruby, I'm sorry, the opal in that. Yes. Inside the fish. Like he smuggled it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie starts off chaotic in a totally different way. You're in some African country, I think. Yeah. And and it's the people who are mining for the gems. Yeah, the black Jews. Yes, yeah. And so it kind of goes to that, and then it transitions um, into New York City through this weird atmospheric outer space type of thing yeah like a little kaleidoscope kind yeah of and and then it, it's an out of focus image and then you're like oh what are you looking at and it kind of starts to get more in focus and you find out it's his colon on a screen he's having a colonoscopy oh yeah and it's just the the tube of the colon um the soundtrack was really weird for this one to me it was very it seemed almost blade runner-ish it was like yeah. weird synth music. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like an 80s sci-fi soundtrack without any beats. It's not like a fun 80s sci-fi with Daft Punk or anything like that. It's just the synth waves. Yeah, that's the perfect uh, description, synth waves. Yeah. Um, so the feel of the movie was very strange. The, the whole movie, I don't know if this is all intentional, but like we said, it's anxiety-inducing. Yeah. But it kind of the the movie feels like it's meant to just kind of unsettle you a bit. I I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that it lends to the general atmosphere and the story of this character played by Adam Sandler because his life is anxiety-inducing. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, he's got a ton of money that he owes for. It never comes out and tells you, but it. It makes you believe it, from that gambling. It, yeah, a hundred percent from yeah, gambling. Yeah, he's just gambling, but it never comes out and exclusively says that. Like, yeah, there's nobody. It's like, oh, you, you know, you owe us money from that horse bet you didn't yeah. win. Yeah, because basically it, from the beginning, he's talking to this guy Arno on the phone, mm-hmm. and he's like, Arno, I'm gonna get you your money. I swear, I'm gonna get you your money. And he has two goons essentially following him, like all the time, trying to rough him up and get the money, like mafioso guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that you also described this as a dark comedy. I think. Yeah. I don't think that this is a funny movie at all. Like, there's a maybe one or two instances, but for the most part, I did not find this humorous. Yeah, it's heavy on the dark. It, it's very. <laughs> it's yeah. closer to dark than comedy. Yeah, maybe like a, a drama or thriller would have been a better description. Yeah. There, yeah, you, you are correct. There is very little comedy. I would say it's comedy in the same way Banshees was. It's less, even less so, because Banshees, there were parts that you can tell it's intentionally poking fun, trying right. to have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Whereas this, the the comedy, if you want to, you know, call it a dark comedy, which apparently Micah does not. I, yeah. <laughs> I would no. say the comedy comes from the insane situations that he finds himself in. Yeah. Yeah, I like could definitely it, it's see It's not that. played comically in any way. I would say it's definitely a drama or a thriller. That probably is a better description of it. 
Sure. Yeah, it it just through the whole movie, it it starts off kind of bad in a bad spot. Like, oh, okay, he's he's down on his luck. He owes some guys some money. It never gets better for him through the <laughs> entire film. And nope. the way that this guy plays people so that he can just get more money to make more bets, to get more in debt, to pay off debts he can't pay is nuts because he so Kevin Garnett comes in and right off the bat he so I actually watched a little bit of an interview on this right off the bat Adam Sandler's character Howard uh wants to see his his earrings I'm pretty sure he goes oh let me see those earrings I'll shine them up for you yeah and evidently that is an old salesman tactic because they immediately rule number one get something off of them get something that's theirs Buff it, clean it, shine it, do whatever you want, but keep it because that's going to keep them in the store. And so he's doing that and he's getting his earrings cleaned. And then he finds the, or then the fish shows up and it's got the opal in it. And he's so excited. He goes and shows Kevin Garnett. He's like, look at this thing. And Kevin Garnett is like, wow. He becomes enamored, infatuated with it. He's like, this is speaking to me, man. This is how much, how much is this? <laughs> yeah, he's looking in it and you get that kaleidoscope effect. He's like, you can see the universe in it. That's yeah. what Howard kept saying. He's like, these black Jews, they dug this up, man. This thing, this is history, man. This thing's 10 million years old. Yeah, yeah. And so Kevin Garnett feels like this weird cosmic connection to it. And he's like, I got to have it. And he, Adam Sandler's was like, oh, it's, it's, you. no, you can't. I'm doing an auction with it. It's it's worth like a couple million. Yeah. And Kevin Garnett immediately is like, why the f*** did you show it to me then? He's <laughs> like, are you going to show it to me if if I can't buy it? And he goes, well, I was just excited, man. I wanted to see it. So then he makes that deal where Kevin Garnett can borrow it, but he needs some type of collateral. So he gives him his, his Celtics ring. Yeah, his championship Celtics ring. Yeah. It, the mindset that people have with gambling and just pawning off things like that, I can't relate to that at all. Yeah, no, he's wild. Because what you're getting at is immediately after that, Kevin Garnett leaves because he's like, okay, I'll have the stone back here 9 a.m. tomorrow. He's like, it has to be 9 a.m., KG. Has to be 9. Don't fuck me over, KG. 9 a.m. And he's like, okay. And as soon as he walks out of the building, Howard's on the move again. He's walking downstairs to a different jeweler, to like a pawn shop jeweler, and is like, hey, here's Kevin Garnett's championship ring. Let me pawn it for twenty five grand. Yeah, I'll come back and and buy it. You know, pay for it back in what a couple of days. Yeah, type of thing. He gave him till like Friday. Yeah. So then he can take that twenty five grand. And did he go and make a bet with it? Is that what the whole purpose was? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. He gets that twenty five grand because he's he he owes Arno money. So and but now he gets it in his head. He's like, oh. Kevin Garnett has that stone and he thinks it's going to give him power. He's going to play great tonight because mm, yeah. he, he can see it. He's like, this is, this is the shit that's going to gas this guy up. So he takes that 25 grand and goes bets on Kevin Garnett. Oh, that's right too. Cause he, he makes the bet and it turns out it works. He wins. Kevin Garnett does all of the over unders makes whatever he needs to do. Uh, for Adam Sandler to win the bet. Yeah, there's a ton of gambling talk in here, which honestly, I've never really gambled short of playing roulette. Certainly never gambled on sports. Yeah. So I have a vague understanding of what he's talking about, but yeah, minimal. I'm in the same boat. He gambles. Kevin Garnett, the Celtics have to do things. If they do the things, he gets the money. That's base. That's the gist of it. 
um, the multiplier and that type of, I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, so, ba- but basically he put down 30 grand mm-hmm. about thereabouts and walked away where was supposed to walk away. Cause he hits it. He hits all his points and he's supposed to walk away with like probably a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it turns out that the, the people that he owed money went in and I guess they canceled the bet. Yeah. Cause they had followed him. Oh, that's right. And they were like, cause that's right. he owes Arno a hundred grand. That's basically. right. And so Phil, who is one of the two guys, the two Italian mafiosos following him around goes in to the bookie and basically is like, Hey, he's out there. Like this money belongs to our boss. Sure. Yep. So cancels the bet. That's right. Cancel that bet. <clears throat> yeah. And fucks him over. <laughs> fucks him over hard. Yeah. Adam Sandler just it just keeps on happening, dude. It just keeps on happening. Um I my general impressions, general thoughts of this movie. I I don't know how I feel about it. I don't think it's very positive. I think in part because of all of the anxiety throughout the film (laughs) like i did not enjoy watching this. it's a lot to watch really okay i that doesn't mean i i I get i get what you're saying though like i said i'm not joking when i say both times i've watched this movie this is the second time i've watched it both times after watching it i feel exhausted like that's which is crazy (laughs) but it is a it's intentionally meant to make you feel anxious yeah yeah, I, I don't... Which, I only read a little bit about the directors, the Safties. Yeah. But apparently that's kind of their M.O. I, I, I assume their other movies are similar. I didn't look into it a ton, but apparently they're kind of like... That anxiety-driven filmmaking is kind of their deal. That sounds like fun. Um, What else have they done? They directed one episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Which is interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure of much of their stuff. I'm guessing they're kind of like indie film guys. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Licorice Pizza is the only thing that I know of, but I haven't, I haven't even seen that. Um, Good Time, Person that to Person. That sounds like an indie film. That's a, perfect, that's a perfect indie film name. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they haven't done anything that I am familiar with. Yeah, now, I mean, I say that I didn't enjoy watching it. I didn't enjoy the feeling that I had internally watching it. Yeah, I get that. It was an in, it was an interesting watch. Uh, I will probably never watch it again. Yeah, I don't think this is one you need to watch a bunch of times, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's not a popcorn flick, it, folks. It's a fucking experience. Yeah, yes, it's an experience. And, and that, I think, is interesting in itself. Like, that makes me have some enjoyment as a whole even though I didn't necessarily enjoy watching the okay, film. Okay, right on. Does that kind of make sense? I know that sounds yeah. contradictory, but there was a large portion of me. That I, I watched this in two sittings, too, because I, I was watching it, and I it was really late. I was about halfway through it, and I remember going upstairs, going to sleep, and Ashley was like, how's your movie? And I said, it's basically Adam Sandler and a bunch of people yelling at each other. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I fell asleep. That's pretty accurate. Most of it is people yelling at him because he is just a shitbag. That's one of the things I like about this movie is they do not, it feels intentional, they don't give you a redeeming quality of Howard. 
The only thing is he's kind of, in a weird way, charming. Other, other Yeah, he's charming. He, he does have a weird charm about him. Yeah. And he's always hustling. He is always hustling. He is always hustling, so you got to give credit. But ultimately, he is not a redeemable character in any way. He kind of gets exactly what he deserves. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel Adam Sandler did in this film? It's incredible. Yeah. It's unlike anything else I've ever seen him do. Yeah, agreed. He's done a couple of things that are closer to drama, like Spanglish was one that was a little bit closer. Um, Punch Drunk Love was a little bit closer I've, to drama. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen either of those. Yeah, but it's definitely not. When you think Adam Sandler, it's not an Adam Sandler film. It's not what you think of at all with Adam Sandler. It's very different. Yeah, it's either like super slapdick, slapstick silly. Slapdick silly. Slapdick silly, yeah. <laughs> Waterboy and Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, The Wedding Singer, yeah. that era. Mm-hmm. Or kind of romantic comedy, Adam Sandler, Fifty First Dates. That That's kind of what you think of him. Mm-hmm. Slapstick or kind of like romantic, but either way, comedy. He's a silly guy. Yeah. Yeah, He. Uh, this is not, he's not silly in this movie no he's depraved yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's really strange uh seeing him in this role julia fox his uh girlfriend his mistress she did great she's incredible this was her first film that's amazing yeah like she did really good i looked in so the only other thing i know her from is being kanye west's girlfriend like a couple months ago oh Like, like right before kanye you know Went crazy? Yeah, went a little bit off the deep end and started yelling about the Mm Jays. Like, he, (laughs) like, apparently she was dating him, Hmm. like, right after him and Kim Kardashian had broken up. I don't know a ton. I just, from articles. Sure. So that's the only thing I know her from, (laughs) aside from this. Um, But apparently she was kind of a model. I could, I mean, she's very pretty. I could definitely see that. Dude, she's dropped at gorgeous. She, it's insane. When they go to the weekend concert. Yeah. And, her and Howard get in a fight because basically she's in a bathroom with the weekend doing blow yeah. and he's trying to get her to fuck him. Yeah. And then Howard like comes in and they get in a huge fight and end up fighting on the sidewalk in front of the, the venue. Yeah. Dude, her ass in those pants is insane. It doesn't make, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm like, this is supposed to be a very like, angry emotional scene which it is yeah but there's only one thing i'm focusing on <laughs> yeah um in, in in any case though yeah so she, she did a really good job but i believe she was a model and then she did this and she has acted in other things but anything like i looked at her imdb nothing else i've seen yeah uh she's, i she's incredible she really is yeah there's nothing in here that looks familiar to me uh a lot of short films a lot of short films. A movie called Puppet that I guess came out in 2022. Not familiar with that. No Sudden Move. Not familiar with that. Firefinder. That's uh, a short film. Yeah. Nothing of note to me anyway. Um, so it's kind of crazy that she landed this role. Well, is this was this a movie that people were expecting to be great? No. And no? I think it's and I it is an independent film, I believe. Yeah. Now I it, say great. I don't mean to like. It wasn't a big budget blockbuster, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not saying that I think it's great, but you know, there are movies that are, that come out and previews are 
out and they're like, oh yeah, this is going to be the next big thing. This is going to be Or, or this yeah. is going to be an Oscar film. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if this is one of those films or or not so much. I'm honestly not sure. Yeah. Hmm. I, I did read that they were doing a lot of rewrites for this because they needed to get a basketball player uh, who was appropriate for the setting and the location. Evidently, Kobe Bryant wanted to be in this film okay for a bit and so they rewrote it to make it fit for kobe bryant but then they had to think like well how do we do that because kobe bryant's on the west end and this takes place in new york so how often is kobe even in oh that's interesting new york city so there was there was some things that they had to kind of uh figure out and then i guess halfway through writing that script um Kobe Bryant's agent, people, whoever, came back and said, "Yeah, he doesn't want to do the movie anymore." That well, and that's crazy too, because Kevin Garnett. I mean, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I know the name, I know of him, right? But he's obviously he's a basketball player. He is not an actor. He also right. does a really good job in this movie. He did do pretty well. He played. He doesn't have a huge role. He doesn't have a ton of speaking roles. But like, I there wasn't a point where I watched it and thought like. Ugh, you can tell it, he's uncomfortable in front of the camera. He's just kind of, it feels very genuine. It yeah. feels like they probably told him just be you. And he got in front of the camera. And he's like, okay, whatever. I'll do this all day. Sure. And it felt very just genuine. He didn't feel uncomfortable in front of the camera. Well, and I think that that maybe in part because he wasn't playing a role. I yeah. mean, he was right for the movie, but he didn't have to be Jim Bob, yeah. the Russian mafia boss. He didn't have something to do. Yeah, uh, he I love just his character. I love the way they spliced in the the footage because this takes place in 2012. Yeah, when he was winning uh, the NBA World Championship, I, I'm assuming all that was real. I don't. Those were real games. Yeah, they were real highlights. Yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, they were splicing in that real footage, and they even put an interview with in with him after he, because eventually he does buy the rock from Howard. Yeah, towards the end, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this was a real interview or if they shot it and made it look like it was an interview there, but he just says like it's a sports reporter interviewing him after the game after they just won, and he goes, "At the end of the day, it was just me and the rock." Oh, he does say that. Yeah, that had to have been recorded for the movie. Well, I mean, because in basketball, you call it The Rock. Do you? You call yeah. basketball The Rock? Yeah. I mean, I don't because <laughs> I'm not a cool black guy. But <laughs> I didn't realize that that was something that they called. Yeah, that's like slang for a basketball. Like, give me The Rock. Pass up The Rock. Really? You've never, yeah, you've never heard that? I've never heard yeah. that. It doesn't sound right coming. It sounds wrong coming out of me. Because once again, I'm not a cool black guy. Sure, but yeah, I've heard it said. But if you are cool black guys, if you're a cool, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, maybe that's just why it sounds out of place to me. Because as so that's why I was curious, like, because that is something somebody could potentially say. Okay, yeah, uh, that would be interesting if he actually did say that. If I mean, that's a miracle clip. If if they, because. If he said that, you know, not like, thinking about... Well, and you saying all those rewrites. My initial... When I saw that part in the movie, I was like, I wonder if the person who wrote this saw that clip and just like, just kind of like extrapolated this whole wild story from that one quote or something. Well, yeah, I, I know that they, they had another basketball player who was currently 
in the NBA. Kevin Garnett, when they made when they made this film, had retired. He had just retired. Yeah. So he wasn't in the you know in the sport anymore. So they went to him because the other person that they had, and I forget his name, but the other person that they had on doc, basically things got delayed before production even started, and then basketball season started, and he couldn't be in the film because he was yeah, know, on the road doing basketball. Games, yeah. yeah. So then they thought, well, maybe we can do it in this time period. Kevin, they actually said that they looked at recently retired basketball players. And Kevin Garnett was on that list. And they thought he'd be, he might be the guy. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was, it was interesting kind of looking into this and reading up on it. Evidently, Adam Sandler's wife is the one who told him to take the role too. Okay. Yeah. She read the script and thought it was interesting. And Adam Sandler wore fake teeth. Oh yeah, you could tell they were this. those big, nice nasty chompers. teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, uh, I love him in this movie. It's so he does a really good job. His acting chops, I mean, he impressed me. Yeah, it shows you that he's not just the silly guy. Yeah, I don't know when you watch it, you really just kind of sink into the movie. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely really do. just sink into the, those characters. Like it doesn't feel like somebody putting on a role or doing an accent because he doesn't really talk like that. I mean, it's, it's not like he changed his voice a lot, but he certainly changed his cadence and, yeah. and his, like the tone of his voice a little bit for sure. Mm-hmm. So it definitely feels like it doesn't feel like Adam Sandler. It feels like this degenerate older Jew with colon problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what did what were your thoughts on the ending, Thor? As far as because so it basically comes in. He tries to go to this auction. The auction does not go well for him. Dude, he's, I love those scenes when he's trying <laughs> to fight with that lady. The girl, I don't even know her name, but the girl who plays the receptionist in those scenes. Oh yeah. Remember how we were talking about Blockbuster and how you were you were like, <laughs> yeah. I, like that's yep. kind of how that girl felt. That's exactly how that girl felt. Cuz I guess he was thinking that the the whole uncut gem was going to get him millions of dollars. Yeah, 1 million. He's he's, okay. he's like this is it's x amount of carrots. Each carrot should be worth a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. AKA a million dollars. A million bucks. And they, yeah. they appraise it at like one fifty. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so he's pissed thousand. about that. Yeah. 150,000. And, but, and then he, he goes and the people, is it the people who no who, who's the person? Was it just a relative who he gets to go in and bet and kind of like rack up the bet through yeah yeah that's i don't know that's either his father or his wife's father that that's it that's grandpa basically i can't remember hold on let me see i think i have it written down yeah they kept calling him um because he goes in there and damn it why didn't i write that down i just wrote the auction it's it's (laughs) that's my note is the auction the auction to talk about this yeah yeah, it's his his jewish grandpa yeah it's his father or his wife's father either way a very wealthy, accomplished man. Mm-hmm. So he gets him to go in and bid so that they can, you know, jack the price of the bid up. And Kevin Garnett's there bidding as well. And he's basically like, look, Kevin Garnett's there. He loves this thing. He's going to pay for it. It's going to happen. And then he ends up paying, what, like one... 190000 190, 
but his grandpa gets the or his dad or his father-in-law gets the gem. Kevin Garnett does not get it because he doesn't bid that high. And so then he gets the gem back and tries to sell it to Kevin Garnett and ends up selling it to Kevin Garnett for less than 190,000. Yeah, for like 175. 175, yeah. And then he immediately takes that and gambles with it. Immediately. Yep, yeah. Cuz at this point and I love cuz this guy who's been chasing him around this whole time, this Italian guy Arno. At one point they follow him to his daughter's recital. Yeah. And the goons show up and they fucking chase him down and lock him take all his clothes off and lock him in the trunk of his car. <laughs> See, comedy. That was uh, comedy. That was a little bit comedic. That may be the only comedy that in the movie. That was a little bit comedic, yeah. Because he had to call his wife. <laughs> he had to call his wife, who's in there, and he's like, hey, I need you to come out here. I'm, a, I'm locked in the trunk. Uh, no, he goes, I locked my keys oh, in the car, in the yeah. trunk. And she's yeah. like, God damn it. And she gets out there, and she's like, where is he? And she unlocks the trunk, and he just crawls out naked. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'll I'll be right in, just go back in. And she just looks at him and she just and just turns, turns. around. Yeah. Dude, she does an incredible job too. She really did do it. Yeah, her acting was great. It was nice seeing her not as Elsa. She has one of my favorite lines in the movie. Okay. And one of my favorite scenes is the Passover dinner. Okay. Because we'll get back to the, the end there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the Passover dinner, because you get a couple things. And this, a little bit what I was getting at, is this guy Arno. It's the guy who, a, a loan shark, essentially. This guy who's calling him up. You owe me $100,000. Why are you betting, trying to bet my money? And his Italian goons are chasing him down, locking him in the trunk. So you get to Passover dinner, and there's Arno. Come to find out. He's his brother-in-law. Yeah. So he's there too. Which that was a, it's not just a loan shark. It's his brother-in-law. Yeah. Who is, who's a connected mob guy who's not. And they make comments about him. He's not actually Jewish. Right, right, right. Yep. He just married in. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of like him and the grandfather. It's like Goombi or something like that. Yeah. They're gooey. That's what it was. That's what they called him. Yeah, Gooey. Him and Gooey are like talking shit about like, yeah, this goddamn. He's not really Jewish. Yeah, exactly. This goy over here. (laughs) And also at that point in time, he is like broken up with Julia. It was after the weekend. Yep. And he thinks that she was trying to fuck the weekend, which it's still, she, she was, was. she was saying no, and I'm pretty sure she was playing with his dick. Yeah. And also shout out to him. Cause that's so funny that he was willing to like do a scene where he's like doing Coke and trying to fuck a girl in the yeah, bathroom. Being a scumbag. <laughs> what a cool guy. <laughs> well, he didn't know she had, he didn't know she had a boyfriend. He was just like, Oh, here's this hot, here's this that's hottie true. who wants to do Coke with that's me in a bathroom. True. Of course you'd be trying to fuck her. Okay. All right. Fair but enough. It's very Fair funny. Enough it's very funny that he's like, in any case. So he's broken up with her. Yeah. Because he thought she cheated on on him. And so there's this quiet moment with him and his wife, who they've been, the whole movie, they've been talking about, we're going to tell the kids that we're splitting up after, after Passover, Passover, after yeah. this dinner. And so he comes to her and he's like, baby, he's like, I'm so sorry. I fucked up. She was a mistake. I don't care about, I never cared about her. It was just a huge mistake. Can we just, can we try, can we just try and start over again? 
and which is such a shitbag move mm-hmm. because he was happy to leave his wife for the young hot girl yep until he thinks that she cheated on him and then he's like oh i never cared about her it's nothing i want you back and his wife she just starts laughing at first and he's like what am i funny and she's like you're so your face is so stupid you're so funny and he's kind of laughing thinking like i'm i'm back in i have a shot and then she says i hate being with you i hate looking at you and if i had my way i would never see you again yeah and then she just walks away and goes back into the other room and is laughing with her family and he's just left there like fuck (laughs) which is what he deserved yes 100 there's no part of you that feels bad for him yeah not at all not at all because it's all a mess of his own making yeah but yeah no she's incredible and that that scene passover dinner it was powerful. There's a lot of stuff going on in there I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was a powerful scene. I think at that moment in the movie when she basically writes him off, I was like, wow, this guy has ruined just about everything. Like, I can't think of a thing that he uh-huh. has not ruined in yeah. his life. Oh, yeah, and they have that scene where he, he has his son, and obviously his son, like, worships him. Mm-hmm. And his son is betting on the, Cel- the same game as him. Yeah. The Celtics game. Yeah, just at a lower rate. Yeah, exactly. He's like raising a new degenerate gambler. Yeah. The son idolizes him and sees that he gambles money. He's like, how much do you, you got money on this too, dad? And he's like, yeah. He's like, how much? He's like, you don't want to know. A lot? <laughs> and he's like, don't talk about it. Shut up. Yeah. You know you know what um, also made that scene, the scene with his wife, even worse for him, in my opinion, is that she was wearing a dress, I guess, from her bat mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. And so then her friends come in and they're like, oh my gosh, you still fit into this dress? They were talking about how beautiful she was and that kind of goes into the background. Like They're freaking out because she's still fits yeah. in this dress. And it kind of goes, to me it really reinforced that she was a catch, right? Not not to say that physical beauty oh, is everything, yeah, right? No, but that is a big part of that scene is he's like, he threw it all away. Yeah. When it's yeah. like, you still have this beautiful wife, the mother of your children. Yeah. And you threw it all away for physical beauty when you still have that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, um, I thought that that added to the scene. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. I think that that also was the reason that he got interested again. He, because... He's like, well, uh, Julia's not yes. in the picture anymore. She, and he looks at her maybe for the first time in a while, and he goes, wow, she's looking, she looks really nice. Yeah, she still she still wear, can wear the same clothes as when she was 13. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> is 13 is the age? That makes that I, seem I weirder as, for me I if it's 13. I assume a bat mitzvah, because bar mitzvah is 13. Okay. So the bat mitzvah is the female version. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's sixteen or something. I I don't know. Yeah. Wow. My my assumption was thirteen. I don't I don't know though. That makes it a little weirder for me. What that she still fit into it? Yeah. Or that he was turned on by it? Both. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Both. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, uh, can we talk about the ending? Yeah. The ending was one of those things it was a doki doki moment where i like placed my hands on my head because 
Kevin Garnett goes off with his rock and Adam Sandler has had his girlfriend who now they're back uh, back in love because he basically hit rock bottom after he gets the crap kicked out of him. Yeah. And she comes back, basically professes her love to him. He's like, I love you too. Yeah, she so got his name tattooed on his a- on her ass. Yeah. Um, so all of that is a thing. And he gets her to go and bet. He writes down all the details of the bet. Yeah, because he's making that deal with KG. Yeah. And he knows now, like, oh, shit. I'm giving him this rock. And now it's his. He is going to play insane tonight. Meanwhile, Arno and the two thugs are waiting outside his office to get that money. Because he called them and said, hey, no shit, for real, I've got the money right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he did, because Kevin Garnett hands him 156 yep. grand mm-hmm. minus uh, Dena- like a finder's fee Denari. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of his name. We haven't talked enough about him. He's Demani. incredible. Damani, yeah. Yeah. But in any case, so he owes Arno a hundred grand. Yeah, he has a hundred and fifty grand sitting in his lap, with the guys who are gonna break his legs for that money sitting outside the door. So what's he do? He tells his girlfriend, "Hey, come to the window outside. I got a job for you." <laughs> and he hands her all the money to go to go to the casino and bet it all on Kevin Garnett. Yeah, he even talks Kevin Garnett up quite a bit too he gives him a little motivational pep talk before he leaves um i think even to just spice him up because when when he gives him um the rock and starts talking he go i think that he started saying like these guys thought that you weren't gonna bring it to the last game he goes well, you're, you're kevin garnett because of course you're gonna bring it so let's do this let's do this let's take them on let's gamble it yeah let's bet on it yeah, that is the one thing about Howard is he is a social genius. Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to play people. And even though he didn't get nearly what he wanted for that that gem, he's going to get what he wants out of Kevin Garnett because mm-hmm. he is just a shyster. Yep. So he gets the uh, the goons. Basically, they show up. And he's like, I don't have the money. <laughs> And they're like, are you fucking kidding me, man? You called us. You told us that it was here. And he goes, I know, but I'm doing this thing. It's going to be great. We're setting up a bet. He's like, Arno, just listen to me. Arno, look, we can make a ton of money. And they hang him out the window. And this is the first moment you get this turn. Because this whole time, you think these thugs work for Arno. Surprise, they don't. Yeah. Because they're holding... uh, they're holding, they grab Howard and put him out the window. Like they're going to drop him on his head. Yeah. And Arno's like, dude, don't do that. What are you doing? Stop doing it. And they just ignore him. This is where you first realize that, oh, he's not the boss of these guys. Yeah. And he might, he being Adam Sandler's character, might be in deeper even more than, than what you, because at that point you go, oh, this guy's not in control. Arno's not in control of the situation. And I think that they had Arno along through the whole thing because of his connection with Adam Sandler. Yes. Or, or his character, the fact that he was brother-in-law. My, my assumption is that Arno is a connected guy. Sure, yeah. And so he called whoever is above him and is like, hey, 
this guy owes me money. Can you give me some muscle? So these guys are working. They're helping Arno out, but they don't work for him. There's somebody above him that they all work for. There's definitely somebody above him, yeah. Yeah, to me it seemed like a Arno's a connected guy and Adam Sandler's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. So he goes to Arno, being brother-in-law, being like, hey, can I get some money? To And he probably goes to his boss, says, hey, my brother-in-law needs money. And the boss says, all right, fine. That's fine. He's your brother-in-law, but it's on you. Yep. Yeah. That's that's kind of what it seemed like to me. Where if he doesn't pay, then it's on him. Um, and not only that, but again, he's not the boss of the thugs that are with him. Exactly. And which is a turn, and that's very, that's a very important piece. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, it is. So, basically, he they figure out what he's done. He sent the girl to make this bet, and so they they put him in the shop, and they're like, "Okay, let's go get the girl. Buzz us out, buzz us out." And he goes to buzz them out, but then he traps them in in these doors because there's a glass bulletproof door in yeah. front of his shop it's like a little vestibule and then, door and then after that yeah there's another door that actually goes to the hallway mm-hmm. so it's a little vestibule and he locks them in there and turns on the game it's so crazy that he does Dude, that the best the, this is like the best part of the movie yes because it is 100 now you get to see because they are watching it and they're pissed they're like pointing the gun at him they're like i'm gonna fucking kill you and he's like just chill it's bulletproof glass don't shoot yeah, and those guys that are trapped in it's Arno and his two thugs and they're trapped in this vestibule nothing they can do and they get depressed and sad but Howard turns on the game <laughs> yeah and now they get to watch this spectacle of him watching the game and feeling the stakes every time Kevin Garnett scores he's like yeah yeah let's do it and every time he misses or it doesn't go right he's like oh shit shit it's alright it's alright we'll come back you get to see it's this incredible scene where you get to kind of see what's going through the head yeah. of somebody who gambles in that way. The last 15 minutes of that movie, I think, were just as intense as the last 15 minutes of a Game 7, bottom of the fourth quarter basketball game would be. Oh, yeah. It was so intense watching it. Yeah, it was wild. So it ends up that uh, the gamble comes through. And they win. Like, they win. Boom. Done. Wins. And he had put down, like, it was 150 grand, ended up winning, like, well over a million. Yeah. I think it was, like, 1.7, somewhere in that range. And the wild, he, so then he lets the dudes out of the vestibule. And, and Arno kind of laughs. He's like, basically, he has this look of, like, holy shit, I can't believe he did it. Yeah. Like, almost a moment where it's like, he's actually going to be, like, well, I'm still pissed, but he actually did it. This fucking crazy guy did it. Yeah. So he lets him out, and he's so excited. He's like, see, I told you. I told you. It was fate. It was in the stars. Bam! Opens the door, and Phil just pops him immediately. Imme- yeah. And the way that they did it, it there was nothing dra- dra- like brought on. There was nothing dragged out. There was no... Um, there was no precursor, nothing. As soon as he opened the door, unlocked the door, Phil comes out, shoots him right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It just came out of and, nowhere. And then Arno essentially is like, what the fuck? What are you doing? 
And at that point, they, he points the gun at Arno is like, don't go anywhere. Shut, like, this is on you. Yeah. This is on you. And Arno tries to escape. He gets shot too. Yeah. And then the two thugs end up just smashing all the cases, stealing all the jewelry. Mm-hmm. They're, they're basically like, I'm done fucking playing with this guy. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Julia gets to walk away with the 1.7 million in cash. It's She's nuts. on her way back to Arno or on her way back to Howard. Yeah. To uh, to celebrate with him. Yeah, because they were on the phone and she goes, Did we just win? And he goes, Yeah, we, yeah, we won. <laughs> and then they hang up. They're like, I love you so much. Hangs up. Immediately gets shot. Shot in the face. Yeah. Wild. When he got ends shot in the per- face. Ends perfectly. Yeah. When he got shot in the face, I was like, holy Yeah, crap. you didn't see that coming, did you? Not at all. Holy crap. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nuts. And visually, cinematically, I thought that it was really well done uh, showing him lying on the floor. Because you see Adam Sandler from the viewpoint of the thug who shoots him. So you just, like, see the gun pop up. And you see the bullet hit him right through the face. Yeah. And you see him drop, but the camera doesn't pan down to look at the body. It pans up and you can see the mirrors, like the security mirrors up on the top, like corners of the building. And then you see that and you're looking at them looting the jewelry store and Adam Sandler's dead body on the floor through the mirrors as they're just like busting up the jewelry cases. It's a really cool scene. It was a very cool scene. Yeah. Uh, that scene was really, really cool. I was in shock while that whole thing was happening. It just, it just came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I think it was an apt ending. And then it goes, it zooms into his, uh, into his bullet wound and goes into outer space again. Yeah. I think perfect ending to that movie. Yeah. Like I said earlier, he got exactly what he deserved. He made his bed and had to sleep in it. Yeah, and th- through the whole thing, like, like when he won, I immediately thought, this is not the end for him. Like, so what he won? He's going to gamble all that away. Uh-huh. There was nothing about him that was redeeming. It's not like he had a, like a huge story and character growth. Yeah, what what's it matter if he want, wins one point seven million? Because guess what he's gonna do tomorrow? <laughs> Bet one point seven million and fucking lose it. Yeah, and then be back to borrowing money. Mm-hmm. He's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. It it was um it was so, kind of a wild ride, man. It's a real character study. It is. That's a why I recommended it, and I figured you would enjoy. It. I forgot honestly how much anxiety the movie makes you feel, <laughs> but but I knew you would at least enjoy the fact of like. It's a real dive into a into a character, and that character's a degenerate gambler. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that part of it. I when the movie ended, I go, okay, I liked that. I'll never watch it again. Um, and I don't know if I enjoyed the movie while I was watching the movie. That's fair. But looking back at it, there were definitely things that I liked. I think I just didn't care for the feeling. Of anxiety because it was very anxiety inducing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and so with that, I felt like I needed a beer afterwards. Yeah, you shouldn't. Well, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't, but it's odd when you watch a movie and physically feel drained after watching it. Yeah, and that's genuinely how I felt both times after watching it. Like, I need to lay down. <laughs> this was a lot. Yes. 
Yes. Which for sure. I think great art makes you feel and it made me feel. It certainly made me feel. Yeah. I kind of feel about this the way I did about Banshees also. Yeah. In that I think it's a really great piece of art. I think it's a really great film. I don't think it has a ton of rewatchability. Yeah, I I would agree with that. <laughs> because it's it if the if the intention is to make you feel something, whatever it is, and different things in the different films, but mm-hmm. I think both make you feel kind of sad overall. If that is the intention, they succeed. Yeah, I definitely, but definitely not a fun watch. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that it, that was their intention, right? They wanted to uh, get some type of emotion yeah. out of you. It succeeded in that sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move. Let's move to ratings. Then. Okay, what are we on rating? A, on a scale of one to four hundred carats. One to four hundred. Oh my god. That's gosh. carrots with a K. Okay, not the not the what's up doc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, carrots. We're not reviewing Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never seen Looney Tunes. No. You've seen different Looney Tunes though, right? Yes. Okay. I've seen all the Looney Tunes, Thor. Okay. Yeah. I'm confused was, what's I, happening. I don't know what's happening anymore. I wasn't sure if you were going to be like, you've never seen Looney Tunes. That's going to be the next episode. <laughs> oh, you're just trying. I'll, I'll, I'll recommend Tiny Tunes, motherfucker. Don't even oh start. Oh my gosh, Tiny Tunes. Um, yeah, one out of 400 carats. Um, 300 carats. 289 carats. Yeah, 300 would be a 75%. I don't think it's quite 75%. 289 carats, that's still good. That's still a good-sized rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how about you? Um, I'd probably go like, uh, maybe like 350? Okay. 350? Yeah. Yeah. I pretty high. I I really enjoy this movie. Okay, yeah. I, I think it may be my favorite Adam Sandler film, honestly. Hmm. Like certainly, obviously not comedy. Sure, but as far as just performance wise, he did great. It's it's up there. And I, we've you and I have definitely discussed this. I love the Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. I love the Water Boy. Yeah, I I love Big Daddy. I think that's another great one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, I really like. I've always, you know, we were kids in the '90s when he was in his heyday, right? So for people our age, I think Adam Sandler is one of those guys that's like at the mountaintop. Sure, for yeah. a lot of us, like Defin- him, Jim Carrey. Yeah, for sure. Definitely for me, he's he's one of those guys who like will always hold a special place because I watched his movies so often yeah so many times as a kid yeah that's fair it was definitely a different role for him this film is different i really appreciate this is his there will be blood you know what i mean was daniel day lewis yes yeah was that a different movie than he normally does him being daniel i don't know but for me i think that's oh like my pinnacle of like daniel day lewis acting where it's like gotcha here is a man at the the absolute peak of his talent okay all right. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it definitely showed his acting chops. I think that he definitely performed probably better than he's done in any other film. Um, so I would agree with all of that. Yeah, I just, for me, it was so anxiety-inducing watching it. 
I liked the film. And honestly, 50 points just going to Julia Fox in those hot pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I could do a whole podcast just on that. Yeah, a on whole that. a whole hundred episode run. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. Uncut Gems. It's, it's a gem, to say the least. <laughs> It'll make you feel something. Um, you guys should let us know what you think. If you've seen it, chime in. Take an out of van before you watch it. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe um, some Dramamine, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know what you think, guys. Uh, it was a pretty interesting film. So next week, oh, I guess if you are going to let us know what you think, we should probably plug this. Um, you can email us. You can find us on Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook. Are we anywhere else, Thor? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and you should we be tweeting? Should we tweet at people? We should. Should we pay ten bucks a month ver- and get verified? Yeah, get verified. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. No, I th- I think I'd rather be underground. Underground. Yeah, start tweeting at bitches. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it works? That's... I don't know about social media. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. But yeah, follow us on Instagram and Facebook <laughs> at Get Wrecked Podcast, or send us a recommendation. Tell us what you think about the episodes at GetWreckedPod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. All right. So next episode, we're going to do something that we haven't done in a long time. We're going to read a book comic book Ugh, reading yeah no reading well, it's not really on. reading what am I re- oh, it's got comic? pictures okay yeah it's comic book all right um we are gonna read the new 52's batman the court of owls okay it's so it's um it's a coll- I, collection I, of trades mm-hmm. and um it's very very highly regarded as some of the best batman stuff in recent history i i know very little about comic books one thing I do know is that you fucking love Court of Owls. I, yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know what it's about, but I know that you love it. I do. Just through I do. osmosis of, like, friendship osmosis. Sure. I've, <laughs> I've yeah. heard those words before. So I know, like, Court of Owls, I've definitely heard. You dressed up as them or something, I did I dress up as them. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that next episode. I'll, I'll, I'll give, I've got a story for us for next episode. So um, it's a graphic novel. Well, I'm sorry. It's not a, a full graphic novel. It's a collected trade the first arc of this new 52 era of DC comics is called the court of owls. Uh, it's, it's really good. The artwork is very different than much of Batman's previous artwork. And we'll see how it goes. The last comic book that we reviewed was Jupiter's legacy. And it's our worst performing episode. That is true. <laughs> For some reason. I think people may think it was the show though. And people generally hated that show. Yeah. Well, it's that's deserved. Um, yeah, it's fair. So anyway, Next week, the Court of Owls, that's what we're getting into, folks. So, until next time, as always, you get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Ah! We got a gem! <laughs> <What>? <laughs>